Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Menelik Watson and, De- and, and, and De- no, there's no Darren. No, there's what no happened Darren to him? Where is no, he? I'll tell you what's happened, right? Uh, so as we record this, last night was the Champions League game, Manchester City versus PSG, Paris yeah. Saint. I reckon Darren has got swept over by the wave of, of emotion euphoria that was at the right. Etienne, uh because all those superstar players, it was a classic game of football. Right. Um, Darren's had, Darren's had a couple too many scoots, I'll be honest with you. And he's gone, do you know what, boys? Sorry, got me diary wrong. Can't make it. Uh, and he's left it But that's fine. That's fine. It just means yeah. that we won't have numbers because I'm rubbish at that kind of stuff. <laughs> no numbers, but we can get into logistics. Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of logistics, it's Thanksgiving, Menel. Now, before we get into football, let's talk about, let's get real, right? Let's yeah. get real. Now, you're there yeah. in Colorado. Let's talk food. What's on the menu? Oh. Oh, today we've got a little chicken, do a little roast chicken, some cooked down chicken, got some macaroni and cheese going, uh, some roast potatoes, uh, some rice. No turkey for me. I'm, I'm skip- I, I haven't actually done a Thanksgiving turkey ever. I've never cooked a turkey, but I do want a deep fry one one day. It looks pretty good. We make my old teammate Rodney Hudson every year deep fries a turkey. So I just... <laughs> I just get my mouth watering sensations from watching him inject this turkey with all types of the juiciness and well, getting deep fried. Have you not tried the tadoukan, the, the 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 duck within a chicken within a turkey that John Madden no, kept talking about? No, I've never tried that. I've tried. I've not tried it, but I do know the Middle East do have their own version of a tadoukan. It's like a, it's like a, I think it's a chicken inside a lamb inside a cow that's inside like a camel. I have seen what? those videos. Yeah, that's, it's pretty intense. Level. It's like it's. I've watched videos. I've slabbered over it, and I would definitely want to try that next time. I I find myself in like the Middle East of Morocco or somewhere like that. <laughs> that's insane. Well, <laughs> let's talk about Thanksgiving. Obviously, you've been in the states for for many years now. Yeah. Uh, 
after leaving Manchester. And did you realise when you got there how important Thanksgiving was? Or was it all new to you? It, it, you know, from watching the movies and stuff, you kind of see the whole spread. But I think my first Thanksgiving, uh, I was on campus and obviously didn't have no family there. So everyone's going for Thanksgiving break and I'm just on my own. So I had a friend who invited me to their house to spend Thanksgiving with their family. And it was my first time seeing a spread of that magnitude, do you know what I mean? And, you know, growing up, grow, you know, growing up in Longside, like growing up in my house, like there were days where we didn't have no food. So I grew up naturally, everything I see, I've got to eat, you know, hence why I got so big, right? And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm at this Thanksgiving spread and there's just food galore everywhere. And so I put myself a plate together and then after I've washed down that plate in probably like five minutes, I've seen there's another seven, eight items that I've still not touched yet. So then the second plate is like, all right, let me try the stuff I haven't had yet, plus the things that were banging in the first place, first course, should I say. And then as you do, you eat yourself into a coma, right? You start feeling a bit ill. And then you gather yourself, you sit down, and it was awesome because it was a real Italian family. And... So it was my first experience being an Italian Thanksgiving at that. So not only did you have your traditional Thanksgiving meals, you had all the Italian dishes, homemade. Oh, mate. When I say I was in heaven, so shout out to Ariel Diadamo, Alyssa Diadamo, and the Diadamo family up there in Poughkeepsie, New York. Shout out to them. They, 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 they initiated me the right way. <laughs> and that, that's special, though, because that's a memory that's going to stay with you forever. Exactly. Yeah. No, it wasn't like I said, from there, you know, you kind of learn the history of Thanksgiving. And I was actually having this conversation this morning about the true origin of Thanksgiving and do they really do a lot of people understand the origin of Thanksgiving or but now it's just kind of become this date that everyone marks in the calendar. Like this is my day to be fat, as fat as I want. <laughs> and no one can no one can judge me, right? This top button's getting unbuttoned. And no one say anything, and no one will. Everyone kind of salutes the guy in the corner that's ate himself into a coma. <laughs> well, let, 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 let's be honest. It's a cheat day that uh, that God will forgive you for. That's right. the best way to put it. <laughs> right, right, right. And then there's the leftovers the next day, do you know what I mean? And that's always um, a good thing. Uh, but before we get into the state of play in the NFL, as we record this Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, uh, we should mention the games that are taking place today. We've got uh, Bears-Lions, which is a Thanksgiving Day classic. Yep. We've got your old team, the Raiders at the Cowboys, which will be, I think, an absolute ding-dong-do. And I think it'll yeah. be a, a game where we find out about Dallas. Yeah. I think this is, a, this is a, a cornerstone game for that team. And then we've got the Saints taking on the Bills. And obviously the Bills uh, got absolutely walloped by the Colts. Oh, mate. And that was a game that, I didn't expect, but I wasn't surprised. Right. Interesting. Interestingly enough, I think the Bills have been... I, I had this conversation yesterday. I think the Bills are bored. Let's start with them. I think the Bills are absolutely bored. I think a result like that is clearly a mark of a team, especially with the success they've been having. It's regular season. It's mid-season. Thanksgiving's around the corner. Guys do think about these little breaks within the season because it is a physical grind. And I just think they got caught slipping and tried to wake up. But I think this has been an accumulation of the last couple of weeks of their play. And 
it's not an indictment on them. I don't think pe- you know people are quick to write them off or whatever, but they're just bored. They've been dominating regular season for the last couple of years. They fell short in the playoffs a couple of times in a row. And like I said, it's mid-season of this three-year dynasty, if you will. You know, Josh Allen's really found himself and everything's really clicking. The defence is playing well. It's the number one defence in the NFL. You just give up, what, 65, 60 points at home? Was it that? Like something insane like that? And, and five touchdowns to one player? One player. So I think they've got... I think it's going to be a, it's, it's a, it's a big job for the coaching staff to reel the players back in and understand, okay, we've got that out the way. And it might be the best thing that's happened to the Bills at this point in the year because you've been embarrassed at home. Everyone's probably thinking about Thanksgiving. I'm sure coaches have probably thrown out the players. And now they get an opportunity to say, okay, we're coming back. We've got X amount of games till the end of the season. Let's start refining ourselves. So I wouldn't count the Bills out right now, but they, they do have an interesting matchup with the Saints, who are a great defence, who are still really trying to find their identity as well. Um, with all the injuries they've had. They're, they're really depleted, aren't they? They've taken a hit ever since Jameis Winston did his ACL, MCL, the whole shebang. Yeah. It's tough to replace a quarterback who was literally in his flow. And you got to feel really sorry for him because that was a big statement game that he Absolutely. went down in. It was a huge Absolutely. statement game for him. He was finding his rhythm. He was throwing less interceptions. I think him and Sean Payton had a relationship where... Yeah. Sean said to him, listen, we can't afford the amount of interceptions that you've become renowned for. Let's change the way you play the game. Go to your check downs. Don't scramble straight away. Just read the game better. And, and, and it's difficult because, you know, you've been on that side of the ball and, and you've experienced how little time quarterbacks have to analyse a defence. And yeah. Sean Payton has obviously taught him a lot in yeah. what it's to be a starting quarterback. And I felt really sorry for him went down, when he went down. But I, I hate to say it, that is the NFL. Surely at the yeah. start of the season, you have to take into consideration that not all 11 players, offence or defence, are going to finish the season. Exactly. And it's like you said, it's something you definitely have to take into account. It's why training camp is important. And I think they have less in training camp. And I'm, proponent, I'm a proponent of less grinding in training camps so guys can be a lot fresher for the season. But the the problem isn't the starters, it's the backups and their preparation. Are they getting enough snaps during a shortened preseason so that if someone goes down, that you're ready to plug and play? I think well, let, people let, do let, forget. Let me, sorry to interrupt you, Manali, but let no, me ask you right, Okay, what's the relationship like between a practice squad player and the first team? Is there is there solidarity in those two units or is there a bit of a break? Is it them and us or is there a complete fluidity amongst the team? Depending on the team. I will say depending on the team. I remember when I was in Oakland, we all were kind of one, right? And because we came from a a humble beginning of, hey, we weren't that good, right? And then we started getting better and we realised the importance of the the practice squad guys giving good looks, right? And when a guy goes down, we plug in a young guy or a guy we know who's been absolutely putting in work in practice. So when he plugs in play, we're all not on the sideline thinking, oh, well, what are we going to get out of him? You do have some teams where coaches, not really necessarily players, coaches might separate the two and kind of keep the practice squad guys as like, this is your role, fulfilling it, right? And then they even give out practice squad players of the week and things like that. So the emphasis is on the show team. Um, 
So it kind of really varies, but some practice squad guys come in and their personality or their game is so big. It's like, they are, they feel like, even though they're not playing, they feel like a star. And you, you, you're you almost excited for them to get that opportunity to go out there because, you know, I remember when I was here in Denver, there was a guy named DeAndre Mount and DeAndre Mount went hard in practice. And as a vet, you're kind of like, all right, but you need to chill out a bit. Do you know what I mean? But at the same time, you kind of have to respect it because, you know, he's coming from an from a place where he didn't have much opportunity. So practice is his time for him to work on his craft. So, and he was a really good player. And then he finally got an opportunity and went out on the field and actually started doing well. And the whole team, offense and defense, was very, very happy for him. And I, if I recall, I think he, he got a really, he got an injury and uh, ended up uh, kind of like, ended up his way out of the league through the injury. But, you know, sometimes you have to have that relationship with him because like you said, it's a grind. And you know, there's a 100% injury rate <laughs> in football. So guys are going to go down, whether it's for two weeks, whether it's for a week, even if it's for a couple of days, right? So, you can't have any drop-off on your team. And I think that's what, you know, I think the Saints have struggled a little bit, but Jameis, again, people forget, Jameis was the number one pick, right? Jameis was the number one quarterback coming out of college, uh, coming out of high school. So he's always been really, really talented. He's always had a great football mindset and he's probably one of the best leaders I've ever seen. I got a quick story on Jameis. When, it, when I was at Florida State, he was a freshman. They had redshirted him that year. Um, and I think we were playing, it was later on in the season. And I always took a liking to the kid because on our visit, he was he had an infectious personality. He came with a recruiting class full of guys like Eddie Goldman, Ronald Darby, right? Mario Edwards, all these guys that were in the NFL, and they all followed his lead. So while we were all on this recruiting trip together, Jameis is messing about, you know, he's 17, 18, he's messing, he's mocking about. And we know they noticed that the rest of the high school kids were messing about too. So they actually got Cam Irving to kind of go over and talk to Jameis and kind of calm him down. And once he sat down and he calmed down, started paying attention. Surprisingly, all the rest of the freshmen did. So me watching this on my visit, I'm watching this on play out and I'm like, he's a leader. So now fast forward, I think it was, I, 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 if I recall, I think it was the Duke game. And I think we had a couple bad series and I was, you know, I was a nutcase. So once I'm, I, we had a couple bad series, I'm coming off the field, I'm ready to kill somebody, right? And, as I'm storming to the bench, Jameis would always run out and meet us and give us high fives and give us daps just to kind of keep the team going. And I think I just, I think as he went to give me a, a five, I moved my hand and I brushed past him and stormed to the bench. So I'm sitting there on the bench, I'm fuming. I know Rich, I know Coach Trickett is going to get on me and get on us and he's going to be screaming at us. And I'm sitting there and Coach Trickett comes over, does his spiel, talk to us, gives us our corrections and walks off. So I'm sitting there fuming. And I look to me right, and Jameis is just standing there, and he's just looking at me in my eyes. So I look at him, and he goes, hey, bro. He, he leans over, and he's like, hey, I, I just want to come out there and, and support you guys. You didn't have to blow me off. And I stopped him mid-sentence. And I said, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I apologize. I shouldn't have did that. And he's like, oh, no, it's all good. I understand. And I said, no, nah, nah, for real. Like, I'm sorry. I was hot. You and I just, and I felt to myself, there's not many people who, when I was in my modes, especially at Florida State, like, who would come in my vicinity because I was always raging. And the <laughs> fact that he felt like, as a leader and as a potential leader of this whole organization, as Florida State is, it's, he felt the need to kind of bend that and kind of let him, let me know that I was in the wrong for trying to stop him from kind of encouraging me to, you know, 
And so I, I always tell him that story every time I meet him. I actually met him up in Seattle a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was just in an unfortunate situation in, 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 in Bruce Arians. You kind of left him out to dry. And I'll put it out there. He left him out to dry. He, he threw 30 touchdowns, but he also threw 30 interceptions. At some point, he kind of got a real this kidding. But, you know, who knows? Maybe Bruce Arians knew early that he was getting Tom Brady. So, you know, it's hard yeah, to get rid of a guy who has... I think that it doesn't matter, in my opinion, it doesn't matter who the athlete is. It doesn't matter what you foresee in the future. If you've got a kid who's got an arm, but it's it's a loose cannon, yeah. you know, then surely you and your offensive coordinator as the head coach, you say, listen, how can we prevent these interceptions? Because he's an athlete and he's got an arm. He's got the, he's got the ability to aim the football at a target. However... Yeah. If, when you look at the game film from the past compared to what he was doing at the Saints, you would say he was a hothead. He just wanted to release the football. No matter what the coverage, no matter what looks he was seeing, he just had one target in his mind and he was going for that person. And it's coaching. obvious now. It's obvious. Coaching. It's coaching. It's all coaching. coaching. That, that, James, <clears throat> me and James had the same agent, Reggie Johnson, and one thing Reggie did when he when he took over uh, uh, representation of Jameis was changing his mindset. Jameis always wanted to make the big play, and it's just always been him. He's always been a, a football savant since he was a kid. Since he was a kid, he was drawing his own plays in high school, right? So now, fast forward, like I said, number one pick, you get your you get the keys to the franchise, right? You've not it's not been stable. You've had different coaches for your first couple of years. Then you finally get this football mind Bruce Arians who has been known to be an air raid guy we see what he did with Carson Palmer late in his career but that kind of gunslinger mentality it comes with the downside the downside is if you've got a guy who is play happy he's always going to feel like he can make that play and on 30 occasions Jameis made that play but on maybe the 10th occasion that it kind of went against his favour is the time where you got a reeling back. Now, reeling him back, does he still get 30 interceptions or does he end with 27? That's Or does he end with 25? That's the difference. And I think Bruce Arians, for whatever reason, never pulled Jameis over and said, hey, we've got a camera. That's not, that's, that's not Jameis being like, oh, forget what you're saying. I'm going to keep throwing this ball like that. I promise you. That is coaching. And we saw that happen when Tom Brady got there at the beginning of the year, they were butting heads, but subtly. And Tom kind of was seeing the game a certain way and Bruce just wanted him to go. Just go, Tom, just go, just go, just go. And Tom literally had to say, hey, let's slow this thing down. Let's have conversations and let's talk about what I'm seeing. And then we'll go from there. And remember at that little small point in last year when Bruce kind of was, almost was like, Tom kind of does his own thing, kind of does what he wants, almost. And people were like, is there a problem in Tampa? Well, that, what that, Bruce... That, yeah, the, 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 the turning point of that, sorry, Menelik, was the no, uh, right. Packers playoff game. Exactly. Where Brady changed the call and scored a touchdown. Exactly. And I think the best... And, and, and even if you go back to Bruce Arians' interviews after winning the Super Bowl, the best thing Bruce Arians did was let go of the rope a little bit. Let the player figure it out because at the end of the day it looks good when you th when you've got a guy throwing 32 touchdowns and it was like Bruce Arian system it's amazing quarterbacks thrive in it but then you get a kid like Jameis who literally wants to make every single play and one thing I spoke with Reggie on many occasions is that teaching Jameis that it's okay 
to go to the check down. It's okay to throw the ball away on second and second and nine, right? It's okay to live to fight another day. So a lot of mental training has gone into that side, which has helped. And then you pair him with a Sean Payton. It's why he's been he's been looking considerably considerably different. See, there's a lot of things that go on in the background that people don't, people just see the product and they judge the product and they say, this is what we see, and this is Jameis Winston. But if you had an understanding, a deeper divulge into what he's really about, then you understand, oh, this kid just wants to make plays, so we need to kind of harness that. And I think Sean Payton was the perfect person for that. I think he was a perfect person. And it was, like you said, it was it was a travesty that he actually went down. because so I thought they really could It's like almost like the energy was sucked out of the franchise. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And then you know Michael Thomas, you know what I mean? Then Kamara's gone down. It's like, well, now we're just another football team. And we got to do the little things now to win. And that's tough when you've got a guy like Kamara where you can dunk it to him seven times on a, on a, on a check down and he make breaks for 40 yards off check down. So, you know, but they'll figure it out. Sean Payton's a great coach. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. When you think about what James brought into the franchise and what Drew Brees left with, right? Yeah. Drew Brees threw the football, let's say, 35 to five yards. Yeah. Jameis wants to throw the ball 35 to 50 yards, right. right? So Sean Payton has got this offense where they're not throwing anything past 25 yards because Drew Brees wasn't capable of throwing anything past 25 yards. Right. So that offense was in there. That, that was the foundation of that Saints offense. Jameis right. comes in and he's like, I want to throw everything 35 and above. And he's like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's your problem. Your yeah. problem is you're launching it. You know, right. even if you're in a, a cover two, cover three or whatever, even if you're manned up, you're throwing yeah. it into a no-go zone. So why don't you just bring it down? Even though you've got the arm, let's right. roll in Drew's offense where everything was 30, 35 below and yeah. we were getting first downs. And I think it's enabled him to read an offense better knowing that Drew Brees could only have that offense in him. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? You know what I mean? It's like watching a guy, it's like watching a guy um, with with a with a with a with a handicap thrive exactly and then and, and like, there's not many players in the NFL who can play at sixty five percent and right. still win football games still win football games but here's another part of it as well which I always say football is complimentary right so that defense of theirs has been also been awesome for the last couple of years and. Unfortunately, I always say their window for me was Drew Brees' window, sorry, his last window, was that absolutely atrocious non-pass interference call oh. versus the Rams. Absolutely oh. disgusting. And after that call, I said Drew Brees was supposed to go to the Super Bowl and it was supposed to be Drew Brees versus Tom Brady and it was supposed to be Drew Brees' crowning moment. Whether he wins it or not, that was his farewell to the football game and I think that's the reason why he stuck around after that year even when the arm started to fail him and it was clearly evident he couldn't throw the ball past 35 yards that stung and I thought opportunities like that don't come around that often and that defence ever since that moment has continued to play at that Super Bowl level but Drew Drew's arm really couldn't get it done. So now, like you said, you bring in Jameson. This is a guy who wants to throw the shot. And he's really good at the deep ball. And he wants to go deep. And he wants the big splash plays. And Sean Payton brings it down and says, okay, the, the splash plays aren't always there. But this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to play smart, 
control football, similar to Drew. We're going to go for our checkdowns are okay. We're going to throw our short and medium throws. And then once in a while, we'll throw the top off the coverage because we're going to lower him to sleep. And that's what we were seeing with the deep plays between And especially James when you build that with a running game, like with Alvin Kamara. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Great Absolutely. So what they've got to do now is, like, I'm hearing that Taysom Hill is going to get an extension. So it seems like Taysom Hill is probably the future right, of the Saints, potentially. So then now you've got to kind of construct the team and the defence around a guy who probably, he's not great at throwing the deep ball. He's kind of like a, a reincarnated, reincarnation of old Drew, but with young legs. So now how are they going to construct the defence to refresh them to say, hey, listen, if we're going to go with Taysom Hill from the future now, from now on, our defence now has to kind of take the lead of the Saints. It's no longer... Because, you know, they've been always been known for having Drew Brees in this fiery offence, but their defence kind of never matched Drew Brees, during, especially during the Wonder years, right, when he was throwing 35 touchdowns a, a, a year. The defence was always given a place so a lot of times during shootouts. Then, all of a sudden, the defence matches Drew and they kind of get to this pinnacle and it's like, all right, we're ready for a Super Bowl. Then the Rams happen, right? So now it's like, okay, so now I think the defence for the Saints now has to be their identity until they figure out what they have in Taysom Hill. Maybe Sean Payton knows something we don't. Maybe uh, Taysom Hill's been hiding something, but they got to continue to have that multi-level options on offense. Otherwise, they're just not good. They're going to win nine, ten games a year and bow out in the playoffs or barely make the playoffs because you do need those explosive plays. I think that's the difference between the good and the great teams. They do have the explosives. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's the Saints. We've done the Saints. Let me let me ask you, uh, going back to Thanksgiving, uh, have, have you played on, on Thanksgiving Day? Uh, yeah, I played I remember my rookie year, I think we, we played in Dallas, but I was inactive for that game. Um, right, what, that's the right answer, because it leads me on perfectly <laughs> to my next question. That stadium, Texas Stadium, is outrageous. Oh, yeah. oh gorgeous. It's, it's, it's next level. It's, uh, it's, you know, but you know it's, it's interesting. When you're on the field, you don't notice the depth of the uh, stadium. Yeah, right. the jumble. Oh, oh no, you know it's the jumble. You can't miss it, mate. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you could be in a top left hand corner, you can't miss it. But this, but it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. What Jerry, what Jerry's done down there, it's absolutely amazing. But it's, but then again, you know, I'm playing for the Raiders, so you know the Raiders travel a lot. So when we well, went down there, it felt like an home game. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I want to ask you, uh, and I've never asked you this. I don't think uh, maybe we've had conversations about it but with beers in hand so I can't remember uh, when you signed for the Raiders yeah right and I, I would say that even though I, I claim to be a Bears fan my favourite franchise is the Raiders right because oh, yeah. through the 60s and 70s and early 80s they were a bunch of renegades nothing but yeah. renegades they were the yeah. players that were naughty, they were drinking, they were smoking, they were going yeah. out pre-Super Bowl, they were doing everything wrong, but they won. Right. And that do-or-die attitude, uh, you know, just win, baby, yeah. under Al Davis, when you arrived, was that something that you felt? Was it something that you realised that the, 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 the Raiders were built on that attitude and that attitude alone? The silver and black is synonymous with yeah. bad football. And I yeah. people this day say oh you know stupid questions that you get asked by nfl fans what's your favorite uniform i always say the raiders yeah. the raiders without doubt the by best far. Uniform. 
without doubt. And I think the Raiders should play black tops, silver pants, black socks, and black leggings. Black so- Ooh, yeah, with yeah, no yeah. But black boots. You have to yeah. wear black boots because right, right. The, the intimidation level of that uniform, the intimidation right. level of that franchise. And I would imagine all veterans like Howie Long, you know, yeah. those guys are always present at the Raiders. Yeah. Guys who really stuck it to other players back in the 70s and 80s. D- right. Did you realise when you signed what the hell you were getting into? You know, I, I, first, I knew of the Raiders. Like I said, I had a Raiders jersey as a kid. Um, not the level, I did, ex- not the level of what everything you just encapsulated. Like, I just didn't understand to the magnitude, right? Because here's me, just made a life change decision to play football. Two years later, I'm drafting the second round by the Raiders. And I, I, I'll never forget First time getting off the bus, right? And you got to remember, by the time I got to the Raiders, I think they had had 12 losing seasons or 11 losing seasons in a row. <clears throat> and I remember getting off the bus and I looked over and it was like a grey cloud over the building. And I just thought to myself, this is the NFL. That was my first, that was my first, my first impression. You know, because I'm coming from Florida State, you know, Florida State, it's all, everything's high tech and it's all done up, everything's new, right? And I walk into the building, I walk through the building and I'm like, this is National League football? This don't feel like National League football. So was it a so rundown? Then, it, oh yeah, it was the Alameda one, it was rundown. I mean, our weight room, we didn't have a kitchen, right? So every food we brought in was catered. We used to have this grill out front what used to do breakfast on, which is do the eggs and over. I remember one morning I got to the facility at four in the morning, uh, five in the morning, early, early morning, and there was crows sitting on the same. <laughs> no, there was. <laughs> I swear, I'm not lying to you. I'm being completely transparent. I walked in. They were just standing on there because you know they'll clean it and then they'll take, but they take it outside for whatever reason, right? And they leave it out front. So when coming in the morning, the cooks would usually get there about. 6.37, and I think I got there about 6 o'clock in the morning. Not 5, about 6 in the morning, I remember. And the, the two crows just sitting on it. And I said to myself, I am not eating no eggs off that ever again. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't. Like, and I didn't. But you got to understand, you go into the weight room, right? The weight room is, it's like, it's basically like an old office building, right? And they put the racks in there. But if you clean too high, especially if you're tall, you're knocking the panels up off the thing, right? They had a medicine ball that had Wisniewski on it. And at the time, Steph Wisniewski, shout out to Steph and Wisniewski, uh, was a centre. And I was like, is this your ball? And he was like, oh, it's my uncle's. His uncle's in the in the ring of fame for the Raiders. I'm like, they've still got that medicine ball for when your uncle was here. So what I realised, what, what I got from the Raiders when I first got there, I realised Al Davis was such an important role in everything Raiders. The man doesn't get spoke of enough in NFL circles. I think because he was so combative with the NFL, with I'm adamant on when he wanted to move the franchise to different places. Oh, him and Pete Rosell hated each other, didn't they? Hated each other. Absolutely hated each other. But you, you, when you went there, it's like, I, I felt like we were still kind of trying to live in that mode. And I realised that as much as we would have loved to have been the Oakland Raiders and the big nasty football team, it's new day. It's a new day, right? We can't go out and drink and get wasted and pull up to the stadium 
10 minutes before the game and go out there and kick ass, right? And get into fights and throw punches and be that big, nasty team because we would never win football games. And part of our problem was we were a very penalised football team. Um, the, only, the only real time I felt that real Raiders spirit was we had training camp versus the Dallas Cowboys my second year. And we go down there and I'm in my second year, um, you know, just had a tumultuous rookie year, had a bunch of injuries. So I'm hot, right? I took probably that off season, I probably took a, a total of three weeks off. I trained the whole time. Um, C.O. Moore, he was like my ride or die guy. We both came in together. And when we got down to Dallas, I remember being on the bus and we was talking to a lot of the vets. Justin Tucker got there at the time. Uh, um, Woodley had got there. Um, we had a bunch of vets that came in. So we were asking them about joint practice and they hated them and they're like, oh, it's all it's fights. So I remember it like yesterday, the bus me and Seal was on, we was like, anybody messes with us today, it's going to be an effing war. So Seals came out, he's brought a big boom box with him. So as we've walked out to the Cowboys practice field, he's brought the boom box with him and he's gone <laughs> over to the crowd and he's got to start getting the crowd going. So we've just been like, in my mind, I'm like, yo, if anyone messes with me today, it's, go I'm go it's going off, right? So... <laughs> We, so, so the Cowboys come out, we're already out there, so we're all getting crunk. Because you got to remember, too, joint practices are like a game. It's not practice. That's why I hate them, because it's like, it's it's a lot on the body, because mentally it's like, we're going against another guy. I've got to put it on this guy in practice. Plus, we're going to play against him at the end of the day. So we start off, first period, the whistle goes, everyone's fans start going crazy. We run into our stations. We run to our all-line individual. And right in front of us, they're doing seven on seven. First play, Nick Casser. He was a great Italian, great athlete. He's running, he runs a route, kills the DB. DB pulls his collar, ends up tearing his ACL. Oh. So we hear, we get word of, yo, Nick's just tore his ACL. We're like, what? Yeah, one of their players dragged him back. So now we're pissed. Like, we're like pissed. We're like, oh, it's going to be one of them days. All right. So now we go to one-on-ones. And... Um, we're kicking ass. Kick it. I started off. I go against uh, Crawford. He was uh, uh, he was a great. He was great. Number ninety eight. He was great. We and him had a great pass rushing. Me and him were. I was sometimes if I lock in with a guy, it's like let's just stick to football, bro. Let's not do all that fighting shit because I'll take it to another level, right? So we have a great one on one pass rush, and then we go down the line. But we're dominating. What we're seeing is we're dominating, and now our second group go up and they're dominating. And at that time, Gabe Jackson was our rookie the great Gabe Jackson for the Seahawks now. And the, I forgot the name of the D tackle, but he tries to ball rush Gabe, which was a bad idea. Gabe is 6'4", 350 pounds. You're not going to move him, right? So Gabe sucks on the ball rush, but the guy kind of does this little extra, like, push, 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 trying to bend Gabe. So we're like, so when we, when that happens, we are like, hey, watch that shit. And we said, hey. so we tell Gabe, hey, next time he does that shit, blah, 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 blah. So he turn, he hears us talking, so he turns around and says something. So we're like, oh, what? Okay. So one's back up there. I remember. So I, I go, at the time, they had moved Austin Howard to right guard. So the guy comes up and tries to go against. So the guy who's just been talking lines up against Austin. And he gets in Austin's face with the ball rush. And Austin just kind of like backs up and just starts giving him uppercuts. And as soon as Austin starts giving him uppercuts, like I run in and I start giving body blows, right? So then it just turns into this 
big, massive pile up, blah, 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 blah. There, because, but you know, you got to understand at the time, our, our radar line is me, right? 6'6", six, six, 330 pounds. Austin, 6'8", 360. We've got Wisniewski, right? 6'3", six, six, three, 310. Uh, at the time, who was left guard? Uh, Gabe, sometimes Gabe actually get on. So you've got Gabe in there. Then you got Donald. So we're a big line. We're a big... Donald, Donald's of, a big man. Donald's six foot five, 330 pounds. Huge, like, right? I, I, I remember I was in Super Bowl in San Francisco and I was in a nightclub. Uh, I'll just say it was a smoky, hazy nightclub. And <laughs> through, through the smog walks Donald Penn. And I'm like, hey, Donald, uh, from England. Uh, I know Menelik. And he literally, like, you know when someone says, hey, hello, you're like, oh, yeah. As soon as I mentioned your name, his body language changed. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, but his hand consumed massive. my hand. <laughs> Mass- he's a massive, he's a mass, and he's got a temper to match it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. on the foot, yeah. uh, so Donald, I, Donald always has this saying, and if he hears this, he'll, he'll know. He says, he, he was the first guy I heard say, hey, you got to stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Meaning right. that anybody tried Donald, it wasn't even a discussion. I got a story about Khalil Mack and Donald. I'll tell, I'll see him for another day. So all of a sudden, you know, their defense is telling, oh, chill out, guys. Da, 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 da. They, they're just trying to practice. Mind you, uh, what's the name of the coach? Forgot his name. Short dude. Um, legendary defensive coordinator, but he used to handle the defensive line. Marinelli. Marinelli. Rod Marinelli. Yeah. Rod so Marinelli. Like, yeah, so he's back there cussing at him. He's literally screaming at his D-line. You're all soft. You are soft, look at them, they're just manhandling you, do whatever they want with you. But one thing I loved about Rod, he turned that group into a bunch of absolute animals. Tyrone Crawford turned into an absolute animal because they were constantly drilled and he was constantly on them and he never let them slack. So after that's happened, we've calmed down, we finished off the pass rush, we go into teams now. So now we get into teams. First player team, we throw a crossing route to like uh, Mike Rivera. Mike gets it. He's running up the sideline, running up the sideline. Some couple guys just kind of do the little tap. One of their guys decides, oh, I'm going to pick him up and body slam him. So as soon as I see that, in my mind, I'm like, wait, did he just body slam Mike? And as soon as I think that, all I see is Austin Howard already over there, like (laughs) 10 yards up the field running towards the pile. So now we all sprint over to the pile, right? Uh, uh, Austin runs over to the pile. He dives on the pile, right? And it's a big fight. And I think it's on YouTube somewhere, right? And we're getting in there and I'm grabbing guys and I'm throwing guys and, you know, we, we're walling there like, what's up, man? And what's going on? Ah, what's going on? What do you want to do? And we're right in front of the fans, right? So all the wrestlers are going, coaches run over. Um, and I think a couple guys went to some fist fights or whatnot. And I think I remember screaming, I'm like, this is how Raider football is supposed to be played. Do you know what I mean? Like, because we weren't taking no shit. It was like, yeah, we were yeah. fighting, we were ready to war. And the Cowboys kind of after a while were like, all right, these guys are a little different. Like these guys are kind of like, it's almost it's gonna it's gonna turn into a brawl. And yeah, we we saw a lot of that in our training camps and our OTAs. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And the, the old players that made that franchise synonymous with all of that, were they, were they still around? Did Absolutely. you see a lot of them? Especially on game day, you would see a lot of them. I used to have a lot of good conversations with guys like George Atkinson, um, Willie, um, Big Willie, man, Willie, uh, rest in peace. Um, we used to have so many conversations on the sideline, especially my rookie year. You know, I was, I was injured a lot, so I would practice a lot, but I wouldn't play. So I'd stand on the sideline with those guys, and I was constantly picking brains. I'd ask guys, like, what was it like? Even Charles Woodson. I got some crazy stories about Charles Woodson when he was playing in these days with the Raiders when he first got there. And I would always constantly ask because he was interested. Me knowing how he long personally, he met me in junior college. I used to play with his son, Kyle Long. So I remember the first time I seen Harry Long and this is our first interaction. We finished the game and we're walking over to him in the parking lot and he's standing there and he's just staring at me like really straight faced and he just looks me up and down and he goes, all right, good size, long arms, good hands. Your legs aren't too long, got pretty good leverage. And he's just breaking me down. And uh, <laughs> before he says hello, before he even says hello, like, hello, I'm Harry Long. And I, I knew who Harry Long because I had a Harry Long jersey. But it, I didn't even appreciate that moment. Like, wow, this is Howie Long. It was kind of like, oh, this is Kyle's dad, Howie Long. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah you yeah. play for the Raiders. Oh, yeah, I didn't say I had a jersey, but I'm like, oh, I know who you are. But I didn't even have time to do that because he's already breaking me down. That's the type of football players that played for the Raiders. They were, not only were they big, nasty, physical, probably lived a wild lifestyle off the field, they were football junkies. And yeah. that kind of separated. And I think... People think, oh, yeah, Raider football, it's about the, the meanness and the toughness and going in there. But it's really, they were all football cycles. Like, they absolutely loved football. And that kind of got lost in translation from the years prior to me being there. Then the, my first two years, it was almost like they were still trying to search for this identity. And it well, was like... Well, let me ask, well, you've said something there that's kind of got all the fireworks going. That's why I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you mentioned there the physicality. How easy or difficult is it mentally to spot a guy who doesn't like the physical? Who realizes, who realizes that football is a business and if he gets injured, blah, blah, easy. blah, 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 it, it's the end of the income. Oh, because it's super there, easy. Are some, there are some natural born hitters. There are men who yeah. like getting stuck in. The, the guys, yeah. you know, look at. Uh, What's his name? Big Harrison for the Steelers. It, it, yeah, yeah. He'll be the last of that generation where yeah. they love James Harrison. They just love the physicality of the sport. Yeah. They love backing heads. They're not caring about helmet to helmet. You know, players like your Ronnie Lotts, for example, that kind of player yeah. will never, ever, 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 ever play the game of football again. Right? Absolutely. And to me, that's what got me into the football. So when you're in training camp, when you're, when you're in practice, it must be... How easy or difficult is it to spot a guy who doesn't want it? That, that was one of the biggest things for me. Like I said, not being a guy who had a bunch of football experience, but I have human experience. I've got, I've seen a lot of life. Like growing up in, growing up in Longside, 
it's the same thing. It's like you can spot a coward. You know what I mean? You can spot a guy who doesn't want to fight. You can spot a guy who don't like getting stuck in. So when I got to the football field, my big thing on film was the first thing I would look for is like, okay, what's this guy like after a play? Ah, what's this no. guy like? Yeah, what's this guy like when he gets hemmed up? The offensive lineman's got a good hold of him. Is he one of those guys who will just quit and stop? Is he one of them guys who will just turn and run? And is he one of them guys who will smack you in your helmet? and say, don't hold me. And that's kind of when I was talking about our James, uh, my Vince Wilfork story last week. He was, you know, I was holding him and he punched me in the face. And I was like, oh, you're one of them. Okay, let's do it then, right? And But it's something I didn't see. I saw it on film, but guys like, you know, a, a random name you might hear, but Pernell McPhee for the Ravens, super physical guy. He won't allow you to punk him. He won't allow you to get physical with him downfield. So there's some guys It's like, yo, just stick to the football. Just completely out technique this guy don't get into anything extra because you know how you are you're going to end up fighting him you know if he punches you in the face or he slaps you or something like that because i was holding him i think i'm going to retaliate once you force a player to ask questions of himself that's when you've won absolutely and like i said if you spot a guy you can spot a guy who's not physical right and you'll look um i remember also in a in a completely different scenario but the same thing i remember uh, uh, um, 2016 game ready for opening game versus the Saints breaking down film from preseason and I'm watching Cam Jordan I think Cam Jordan had like four or five sacks in the preseason um, when I put the film on I'm talking about he was running through guys like like, like they were nothing like Riley Reef uh, when he was at Detroit and, and I'm watching it and it's almost kind of created doubt in my head and I had to catch myself and I said but I'm not Riley Reef. And I'm not one of these guys. And no one's going to run through me like that. I'm talking, it, Vern, it was really bad. Like, watching him run through them guys, it's almost like, oh, my God, he's going to do this to me. But then I had to turn in and say, okay, this is what I've got to do. So what my plan was going into that game was, first, he, what I broke, what I, what I watched, watched from film was, in Cam Jordan's first series, he's going to test your strength. Whether it, and it's always the first pass play. So whether it's the first third down, it's a second down, He's going to ball rush you to test your strength. So what I did, I broke down film and I watched for all the keys. I watched for that one moment when he turns the corner. What's his body position like? What's his foot like? So if you go back and watch that game, I think it was our first series. I think it was a second down. I knew it. So when I've set, I've seen him take the one, two, three steps and on that left leg, he's planted and come right for me. So what I did was I sat my, I sat my ass and I just got my hands tight and I put on his chest. So as he's rushed, I've just lifted him. And as I've lifted him, my hands have gone back like this. And then I sat. So he's gone up and then he's come back to me and then we've just grabbed. So then for the rest of the game, that was in the game, he didn't go to power again. He started going to speed. And that's because I knew Cam Jordan's not young and dumb. He's a vet. So if he's if he's not going to get you on one thing, he's going to make his adjustments. Because usually what happens is if you get a tackle and he's really good at stopping the ball, he's really going to struggle with the speed. And I had a bit of both, but I didn't like being boorish, so I always try to stop it early um, so that the guy kind of realised, like, all right, I can't ball this guy all day because it's going to be a waste of energy, so let me go to game plan. So when he went to game plan number two, not knowing that, this is what I really want you to do. I really want you to go to the speed and the edge stuff to kind of save my body from all the ball rush and having to constantly anchor and brace. So that's the little mind games you get when you're watching film, especially for me that worked with me, that helped me have success on the field. 
I, I love it, you see, and that's that's the kind of insight that we wouldn't get from me and Darren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, mate, sometimes you got to walk it. It's definitely good to talk it, but sometimes you have to walk it. Darren has broken down uh, Cam, Cam Jordan and Nadine Bull rush him. But, but just quickly before we leave, because, because I mean, that's a podcast in itself, right? We, yeah. We've got to quickly analyse where we are at the moment in, uh, in the NFL. Uh, Kansas City beat the Dallas Cowboys, a team that were on a crest of a wave. You know, a lot of positivity yeah. going on in there. Uh, seemed to be scoring touchdowns. Everyone seems to be firing on all sinisters, cylinders, and they just couldn't get it going against Kansas City. Yeah. Does this mean that Kansas City are back, or does it mean that Dallas have got to start questioning what's going on with their offense? I think Kansas City are finally starting to round into form. I think people underestimate the fact that their defense has really been struggling since last year. Um, a bunch of the injuries, obviously a completely new offensive line, which is a huge deal, right? And they're not it's not exactly the best pass pro guys. It's not like they went out and got a bunch of pass pro tackles. Like, you brought big run guys because you wanted to play run-style football, understanding that the defense is struggling. We've got to play. We might have to lean more on the run instead of trying to go down the field and score 40 points because now we're going to be in a shootout every game, right? So they went to address that. The defense is finally starting to ride out. I think... Chris Jones is finally starting to find himself as a defensive tackle um, from switching from defensive end. I remember they tried to play him at the edge at the beginning of the season and it wasn't successful because he's too big and it's not conducive for him to be out there. So now he's starting to find his rhythm on the inside. You bring in Melvin Ingram, who's an insane pass rusher, right? So now you've got, who can put pressure. Frank Clark's finally starting to get healthy. So I think it's an accumulation of the Cowboys kind of, being low to sleep the week before when they blew the team out. You come into the Chiefs, which is never an easy place to play, right? You're down a couple of weapons on offense. I didn't expect anything from the Cowboys, and I still don't. I think people expect too much from the Cowboys, and I think they're still missing a piece here and there um, before I'd really give them consideration to be a contender. Um, but I like where the Chiefs are going. I really do. I think they're really rounding out into good form right now. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, Menelik, I think we could we could do this podcast, I'll be honest with you, for two hours every time. Yeah, yeah. But that's just not the way that people consume content. <laughs> right. Uh, right. So uh, going into these, we've got three games tonight, Thanksgiving, and then as, as always, we've got a, a, a full schedule. Uh, as a player, knowing where your franchise is at, this... Yeah must be the way that coaches start the point where coaches start to change the tone of their conversations yeah you know where we're coming to the back end of the season now we're over halfway we know what's wrong with the franchise we know what we need are the losing teams thinking ahead and are they starting to grade their players as in get rid get rid yep. raft fill that gap or are they going to ride it out and then go to the table where they look at everything yeah, it dep depends. It all depends for a team like um, for a team like the Jag Jags, right? The Jags aren't really looking to get. They, they're just they're, what they'll do. Everyone's analyzing, just like you said. Everyone right now is having those conversations internally with the with the with the staff, with the GM about the direction of the football, right? Everyone's getting graded right now, and a lot of guys don't realize it. They're getting graded in practice, even even also, and so they're breaking down guys who are gonna they can see in the future. Even guys' behavior off the off the field. Guys in the locker room, guys in the, in, the, in the facility, they're watching all that. They're watching for guys that are going to quit. They're going to watch for the guys who are going to protect themselves. Because right now, you got to understand if you're on a three, four-year contract and you're in your second year and your team is three and 
three and twelve right now. What's your mindset? Are you thinking about, hey, I just want to leave this season healthy, right? And I just want to get through the end of the season so I can go into the off season and probably take a trip. Because if you don't, you gotta understand if guys get hurt, those guys have to stay after the season. So not only have you been locked into the building for eighteen weeks, maybe longer, twenty plus, you're uh, now it's like. If you get hurt now, you don't get to go on that vacation and take that little break away. So you're going to be stuck at the facility. So a lot of things are going on right now. I've particularly liked this season. And I think people call these weeks where like the Dolphins beat the Ravens and they say, oh, what kind of week is this? And it's like, you, let's not forget that this is still football, right? Even the work, even like the, the Texans going into Tennessee and whooping on the Titans, right? And it's like, well, it's the Texans, they've been bad all year. And it's like, which, let's tally up all the games that they've lost, maybe by one score, maybe by a field goal, maybe a couple of turnovers that were easily avoidable. Maybe the protection broke down, quarterback's hand got through, hit a guy in the chest, it went up in the air, there's two turnovers, and now we've lost the game. So if you really include all the little minor details that have caused losing, it makes the analyzing process a lot harder. Because sometimes you do have a talented team, and it's like, we're super, super talented, why are we losing football games? And it's like, maybe we need to make minor adjustments. Maybe we need to make major adjustments. So this is definitely that time, especially in November. They say Super Bowls are won in November, right? And this is the time where guys like really knuckle down and it's like, all right, we're right on the cusp. Let's clean a couple things up and we're right there. Just like the Bills, like I said, it might be a blessing in disguise. You lose a game like that in November. It's like, hey, this is perfect for us. We know how bad it can get. We just got walloped at home. It's like, and we got to sit on this L. Oh, by the way, we got to get ready for a Thursday night game. So it's a hey, short week. You know what, Menelik? You mentioned it, and I, I wasn't going to bring it up this week. I was going to save it for a couple of weeks' time. But there's one team. Oh, let me rephrase that. There's one man <laughs> who gets ready for the back end of the season into the playoffs, oh. and he's been successful with it, and it's the one and only Bill Belichick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Oh, don't get me started on the Patriots, he, he man. Claims, he claims that every game is as important as the next, from the start of the season to the end. However, we know that what Bill Belichick does Ooh. is teams are assessing their, their squads now. He does it from the very, very start of the season. Yeah, exactly. He knows what, what, what jigsaw pieces fit. He knows what jigsaw pieces don't. Jesus. And that's why they're successful from the back end into the playoffs. And Mac Jones is flying at the moment. Mate. He's flying on all cylinders. And I think they're sitting at the top of their division. And I think they're a team to look at. Mate, can we just give a salute to the Patriots? I mean, last year, people people kind of sh sh shit on Belichick and his years, great his years without Tom Brady. But you've got to understand, with Cam Newton, limited with his throwing ability, they still won how many games last year? Right? They were almost 500. Almost yeah. 500. Without Hightower. Without, I think, uh, a bunch of guys sitting out on defense, right? And I had a conversation with my boy, Matthew, Matt Williams, last night. And we both said on the phone, the Patriots are the team that people are sleeping on. And I get it. At the beginning of the year, People were on him. Matt Jones, his numbers weren't that great. He wasn't throwing it that much. They were leading on the run game. Everyone was like, oh, they're just going to become a running team to protect the kid. It was like, no. The problem is, is Belichick is a smart man. There's a reason why they won a bunch of Super Bowls. Because you paired the smartest football mind with one of the greatest competitors we've ever seen in football. And they went, came together and made the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich, mate. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it was like... It's like, hey, you taste good, and so do you. All right, well, this game, guess what we're going to do? They've got 
Aaron Rodgers over there. So what we're not going to do is go out there and throw a bunch of shot plays. This game, Brady, I need check downs. I need time of possession. I need guys staying in bounds. Because the longer we can keep that super talent named Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning sitting on the sideline is the more chance we give ourselves to win the football game. And that's why they're perfect pairing. Because it wasn't, hey, we're going against Aaron Rodgers and we're going to outscore Aaron Rodgers. It rarely happens, right? You might catch him on an off day, but that doesn't happen. So when you pair those two together, it's been perfect. And since he's got Mac Jones, I've said, patience. They ha- they're in no rush, because guess what? Bill Belichick ain't going nowhere. Whereas you get Matt Nagy, and Matt Nagy now is like, hey, Matt Nagy, before the season, everyone was like, hey, Matt Nagy might have one more year left in it. We don't know what's going on. The Trubisky element failed. So it's like, okay, we're bringing this rookie. Matt Nagy doesn't have time to say, hey, uh, 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 Justin Fields, I don't care if you throw 15 touchdowns or four interceptions, as long as you get acclimated and understand what this NFL game is all about. It's not all about coming in and being able to run fancy plays like you did in Ohio State and get touchdowns straight away. Sometimes we might be going, and, and plus you got Aaron Rodgers in your division. And it's like, hey, we're going against Aaron Rodgers. This game, we're going check downs, check downs, check downs. We're going to control the time of possession. He's not even at that progress yet because Matt Nagy wins, needs to win now. Like, I need to win yeah. now because, hey, Matt Jones came, if Matt Jones came out this year through uh, 12 interceptions, 15 touchdowns, the Patriots were, were, were seven and seven or seven and eight now that they play a 17 game season. It's all messed up, right? Um, no one's like, hey, Belichick's on the hot seat. <laughs> so then Belichick turns to, my, uh, to, to to Coach Daniels and says, hey, I need you to get this kid up to speed right now because we don't, they don't have that time. So it's been a seamless process. There's been no stress on Matt Jones. And Matt Jones has been able to come in, find the perfect rhythm for NFL football and thrive. Whereas Trey Lance, sitting behind Garoppolo, Shanahan just went to the Super Bowl, had a couple, had a bad years, had a couple bad years since, and he kind of needs to kind of turn the tide and get back to a contender. Or they're going to say, "Hey, Shanahan, you've been great, and you took it to the Super Bowl, but goodbye." Right? Um, Zach Wilson, at one of the worst franchises in the, in the league, and they've been bad for a reason. The Jets have been bad for a reason. It's not the players; it's the it's the, it's everything around them. It's the maybe the coaches, maybe it's the it's the it's the staff, right? So he gets there and it's like, hey, by the way, uh, we don't have a great O-line. We don't. We have a decent receiving core. We've got a decent D-line. We've got okay uh, running backs. Our corners aren't that good. So there's a lot of things he's kind of got makeup for because we've given you the platform. We say, hey, Zach Wilson, fix us. And hey, uh, Coach Salah, get this right. And Coach yeah. Salah now is under pressure to play the kid, make sure he's up to speed. Hey, Hey, Zach, I need you to get it right now. I need you to get it right now. I need you to be also to be able to read cover two, cover three, uh, uh, um, blitzes, zones, uh, uh, D-lines. So now he's got all this information and what he does, it makes it, it makes diamonds because a few of them come out on top and say, hey, I was able to withstand this enormous amounts of information and process my first year and thrive. And a guy like Matt Jones has been sitting here just cruising along, cruising along. Hey, there's no rush. At the beginning of the season, pitch was like, hey, don't rush him. Don't throw nothing deep. Let's just get him used to calling protections. Yeah, nice. Watching coverages. We'll run the football. Hey, our defensive scheme is set up to kind of control the game too. So no rush. So now you see our team round into form. I promise you it's going to be trouble for the league. So I'm looking for the Patriots this this um, this second half of the season. I'll be watching them close. I'll definitely be having their games on. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, Menelik, it's been an absolute pleasure. An yeah, absolute absolutely. Pleasure. Yeah, man. Yeah, let's... Love the insight into the Raiders because, like I said, they're one of my favourite franchises, without doubt. Yeah. And, and we'll get into that again. Um, but yeah, uh, right. Thanksgiving this evening, if this goes out tonight, Thanksgiving Day. And if not, have a great weekend, especially you fantasy boys and girls. Mm. Uh, this has been a Shooting Sharp production without Darren Fletcher, who I've no doubt will be back next week. Menelik Watson, as always, a pleasure. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Wicked. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.